Listening to the MMAniacs with Nick David and Matt Kona. Gabriel Gonzaga here. You're listening MMAniacs. All right. Here we are, the MMAniacs podcast. Nick David. Matt Kona. All right. We are going to chit chat for a second while we have one. Little New York mini episode. Just a cursory glance at the UFC's return to Madison Square Garden. Not as big as UFC 205, certainly. The, you could say that this is kind of in the shadow of Conor McGregor anyway, because everything is in the shadow of Conor McGregor these days. So, and there's also been uh, Conor McGregor news breaking today saying that he has no interest in returning to the UFC unless he's a co-promoter now. McGregor Sports and Entertainment trying to put their stamp on it. And and, uh, everything that Conor McGregor does is a little bit bigger than the last thing. And so we won't talk too much about it because I do want to talk a little bit about the fights. But uh, it makes sense. You can't make... A huge splash with one of the biggest intersport collaborations with his fight with Floyd Mayweather and then take a pay cut to go back to your old job. It seems right. He's going to, he's going to make what? Whatever he made. $10 million, you think? No, no, no. He made 30 million just before they did any of like the pay per view. Jesus Christ. Dividing up. So he probably. So you can't go back to making, and he made about, I think, I don't know, ten million when he fought Nate Diaz, and there was maybe pay-per-view points, but he didn't have the uh, what Zufa got, and that's what he's seeking now. And right, uh, and uh, well, rightfully so. Yeah, he's 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 <clears throat> why wouldn't he? He's driving the business. And yeah, without him, there it's it's not. They may not have made that. W-E-M-G, W-M-E-I-M-G, which is now changed to Endeavor, which is easier to say anyway. The 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 place. The talent agency the, that, oh, that, yeah. that bought the UFC. Yeah, yeah. It's just called Endeavor, which is huh. a, kind of a bold endeavor on their part. Hey. So he wants to be a co-promoter for him to come back and defend the lightweight title against the interim champion, Tony Ferguson. And that has kind of taken the spotlight away from Madison Square Garden. It's also, people remember the last time the UFC was there, that's when he became a double champion. He became the first fighter to have two belts at the same time. Say what you will about not depending on the featherweight title, but um, he had it. So, Well, I... I mean, before before he came along, one of the biggest box office straws was George Saint Pierre. He was one of the one of the driving forces behind the UFC for sure. He headlined the biggest <clears throat> UFC attended show is in Toronto. Yeah, Skydome. So uh, I'm I'm curious if uh, obviously McGregor's come along since then, and he is has just taken over. Um, but far beyond that, I'm wondering if uh, St. Pierre's numbers are close to what they were before he left, or if if those are even way off. Because I think, I think if you're looking at him to if you're looking at him to compare against McGregor, there's just there's he doesn't have the opportunity to do it right now. There's just 
too many new fans that are McGregor fans. Well, the sport, that's why they're watching the show because they're McGregor fans. That's why they watch UFC is because of Conor McGregor. There's right. a whole slew of hundreds of thousands of people that watch it just because of him. Yeah, and there and these are people who, that and those people that don't know who the fuck George St. Pierre is. Well, these are people that they're they're weirded out when they, if they see clips of the UFC when they're wearing sponsorship patches on their shorts like because right, conor right. mcgregor his his uh i mean he obviously he fought in the ufc before the reebok deal but the very first event that had reebok sponsorship was when mcgregor won the interim lightweight title against chad mendez and and that was ufc 189 and that was big that was a huge thing and 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 the sport not only the sport has changed but the way that we consume the sport social media the people that are the eyes that are on the UFC or there's that the far one that many Chanel of them O'Connor was on yeah she oh, she yeah. sang the walkout and then the weird. guy from Stained sang the walkout yeah, that was real for weird. Was so weird yeah cuz you didn't have the notorious BAG behind it afterwards so it wasn't a mashup song it was very strange. She sang the Foggy Dew. So, yeah, it is a different thing. And, and George St. Pierre, is, he's making his first appearance since 2013 when he yeah. left after a very controversial split decision victory against Johnny Hendricks that most people, even the biggest George St. Pierre fans, they're a little uh, hesitant to be like, eh, was, I, I have to go back and watch it, but I, from what I remember from watching it, I felt like... uh he lost that. Like St. Pierre lost that fight. Like Johnny Hendricks won that fight. Yeah, it, I, I've watched. I mean, I know he definitely got the shit beat out of him. He got the tar beat off him more than anybody has ever done that to yeah. him. Yeah, it looked like. I mean, Hendricks pointed that out in the post-fight press conference. For it, he said, "He goes, who looks like they've been in a fight? You know, Pierre right. or, or <laughs> me." And yeah, it, it was just uh, that was like a wrestle-heavy show, uh, wrestle-heavy fight rather. So. You know the points, I guess, can make a difference in the, the razor thin decision. But so George Napier is coming back in different worlds, different years off. Say what you will about whether or not you believe Dominic Cruz's uh, quotation that ring rust doesn't exist. But he's been away for four years, and he's fighting 15 pounds heavier than he normally fights against a guy, Michael Bisping, that's. Pretty big for the middleweight weight class against the guy that was always kind of a smaller and average size welterweight. Hmm. And I know we said we wouldn't talk too much about Conor McGregor, but it makes a difference when you're going up in weight and your body isn't used to dealing with that extra muscles, the extra pounds of muscles. It's harder for the oxygen to get to the blood and for you to to carry on like you made gas earlier especially if George Pink Pierre is going to be expending a lot of energy going for takedowns yeah so it, it, I mean it's you know more muscles equal more fuel the more muscles you have the more fuel you need to put on if, if you're not if you're not used to having that type of energy that has that type of need for that type of fuel then you're going to be in a shit position you're going to run out of gas yeah. Uh, so who knows? Who knows if? Uh, I mean, I don't know how. I haven't been following him that much during this whole thing, so I don't know how long he's had the extra weight on, or if he's just packed it on in the last six months, or if he's been walking around at it for a couple of years because he hasn't been training as much. Or I mean, from what I've seen, a lot of it seems like he's kept pretty steady on his training. I see a lot of posts on Facebook. You know, I'm friends with several people that train there. Um, you know, Farah Sahabi and. Uh, not personal friends. I just mean on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, you're following. Uh, yeah, I'm following. Right, following their page or whatever. So I see a lot of pictures from him and uh, and uh, Gordon Ryan trains there now. He's been he's been 
grappling with them up there a lot. Um, so I see a lot of pictures from him. But it seems like he's kept up on his training through this whole time, even though he hasn't been fighting. He's been pretty steady training. But I just, I, I'm curious as to what he walks around at, or if he's going at a, at a weight that's kind of more natural to him. He just doesn't have to lose any weight. Mm. You know, that's a huge benefit. Yeah, not having to go through the cut. You're right. You know, your whole fight camp is just focused on the fight and not focused on trying to cut weight, mm. which is a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, you're, fight, been, you're, you're yeah. fighting two opponents in that when you step in there. You're you're fighting, you're conditioning, you're fighting your opponent, and if you're if you're having to focus on get, cutting this weight, and you're in a fucking shit storm the day of, and we've seen a lot of people that lately that have had to bow out of fights that have gotten sick on the day of because they're trying to cut too much weight or whatever. <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm of the mindset of what Joe Rogan says about it and i and i you know probably not saying anything that's too controversial anybody i line up a lot with what he said like I, when i listen to him talk he has a lot of very valid points about a lot of things um, i mean one of the one of the things that really that i loved um because i've been watching the ufc from the start like when he came on it was a really uh, knowledgeable head joe rogan who is super articulate and knows how to cut out all the filler because that's what he does for a fucking living mm. so there's no superfluous bullshit he gets from point a to point b and he says it succinctly and knows what he's talking about most of the time and if he doesn't he fucking just admits it he's like i don't really know what i'm talking about here mm. anyways i'll go too far into joe rogan um I forget His the thoughts point. about weight cutting yeah yeah you think there should be more weight categories or i think there should be a. I think there should be some way to figure out how to get to a point where people aren't cutting weight because it's, it's at a detriment to the, to the sport. If you're having to cut so much weight that you can't perform to your best, then what's the fucking point? Come out at your natural weight and fight someone else who's also there at their natural weight. And then the two people will figure out who the fuck is the best guy without having to fight against killing yourself. Yeah. You're fucking bringing yourself sometimes to the point of death and sometimes to death. Right. Sometimes people are cutting weight to death. That's happened in one championship recently. And, and, and it's a good point, too. It's, a, it's why it's kind of a surprise to me when you hear Dana White respond to comments that Kevin Lee saying. Kevin Lee, who just fought Tony Ferguson for the interim belt, said he wants there to be a 165 division because he cut 20 pounds with like three days to go he ended up getting a staph infection and kind of gassed out in that fight and you know that may not be the reason that he lost it but uh, i'm surprised that dana white says he's got no intention of adding these kind of in between weight classes because well, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it serves it's, him better because if he's if you guys if you have a main event drop out the day before the fight like you did over the summer, International Fight Week, Amanda Nunes bowed out against her fight with Valentina Shevchenko the day of. That fucks your card. That You get people asking for refunds. You get less people wanting to click buy when they buy the pay-per-view. And, and that, that helps. That hurts your bottom line. So it's like it would benefit the UFC. It would be so much better. I don't, I don't, I can't and understand the health why, of the fighters. I can't understand why they wouldn't do that. It's so much better for the UFC. One, their roster is so huge. They have over 500 fighters on the roster right now. So their roster is so huge. That's one. Two, they have so many shows that they're doing right now. 
What? And there's so many shows that are headlined by fights that aren't title fights. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to have more title fights to headline your fucking shows to give them more weight? Yeah, instead to be of able inventing to, to be able interim to, titles, yeah. Right, instead of inventing interim titles, they go, all right, here's the 165 pound, you know, instead of the 155 interim title, here's the 165 pound title title. Yeah. You know? And then you could do more super fights if you wanted to. You could have that one champion fight the other. I mean, the, the, there hasn't been, uh, a, aside from McGregor against Eddie Alvarez, which was champion versus champion, there haven't been many in, in the past at least five years of the UFC where one champion has gone up to fight the other. There's been rumors of it. There's been rumors that John Jones should fight Stipe Miocic, or not rumors, but speculation about that yeah. would make a good fight. And sometimes that makes a fight that wouldn't be as interesting more appealing. You know, for example, Tyron Woodley, who after his last performance against Steve Wonderboy Thompson, was fairly boring title defense, Dana White said, he was going to have George St. Pierre return to fight for his welterweight title that Pierre St. Pierre never lost. But after Tyron Woodley's performance, he doesn't want to have that fight. Now, right. now Woodley's saying that the winner of Bisping St. Pierre is going to be his next fight. And, uh, so he's gonna, so he's gonna get to go up for, a, he's gonna get to fight for two titles or? Yeah, so that, well that's, is a, he gonna, that's he's gonna thing. go up to fight for two titles? They, that, that's the only thing that would make it interesting about it is that it's champion versus champion because if it was just, if it was just Woodley fighting either of those guys, it wouldn't be as interesting. But maybe it's sellable if you do that. I, I think that he's kinda, uh, got his head in the clouds in that. I don't think that's the matchup to make anyway, because you already have an interim middleweight champion, Robert Whitaker, so he should be the natural yeah. next step. For that's the, a super interesting, interesting yeah. fight. Because he was supposed to fight Bisping before Bisping had the title uh, years ago. He was supposed to fight him in Australia. Bisping pulled out with an injury, and then Bisping's next fight ended up being the short-notice fight against Rockhold, and here we are. He won the title from him. Went on to fight uh, Dan Henderson, and then has been sitting since then because he had some, another surgery or something. But uh, so yeah, just big clusterfuck. It, it would it would certainly suit the UFC to make more titles, more weight classes, benefit yeah, the health of the make, fighters. It just doesn't make any sense to me why they wouldn't. Yeah. <clears throat> but speaking of different weight classes and different titles, there's uh, let's talk about the co-main event. Well, first of all, give me your pick for the George St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping. Oh man, that's down? really tough. Jesus, that's tough. That's a really tough one because you want to go with such your heart. A, yeah, I want to go with my heart. I want to go. I want to. I want to see GSP come out here and be a fucking world beater. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see GSP just continually dump him on his ass and just beat him. But uh, who knows? Who knows with the extra weight? Who knows with the four years off? Who knows? It's a complete question mark. I mean, if I, if I really, if you're putting a gun to my head and I have to pick someone, if, uh, if I have $10,000 that I have to lay a bet on and it's real money, I, I think I have to put it on Bisping. Mm. Yeah. I don't have $10,000, but I would go with Bisping as well. I, I think I, I just, think I think I just have to. I think Pierre's going to spend a lot of energy trying to take him down and Bisping is, is, is it's not going to easily be taken down. He's not going to, if he is taken down, it's not going to be easy to be held down. It's not going to be classic George St. Pierre ground and pound. I think he's going to 
try to grind him out, and if he's not doing anything, it's just going to get stood back up again. And on the feet, I just see Bisping having the advantage. He's not like necessarily a knockout artist, but it, it, if you're a diminished fighter because you've already gassed early, maybe the octagon jitters come back after four years away. Uh, I I think St. Pierre's at a disadvantage because of that. And Bisping's big, tall. He's got mm. better reach. And I'm not <laughs> listen. I'm not, I never picked. I know. Bisping. I know. You call him that cunt. I never. His, his nickname is the Count. Not that the limey count. Yeah. <laughs> the limey count. Yeah. Uh, I never picked Bisping, but I I just. All I right. mean, that's what I, what I really want to see is that. But every time I put my every time I get my like heart pick. It just gets fucking ruined. Yeah. It just gets ruined every time I go, oh, this is what I really want to see. But I have to, if I, if I want to step back and think about it, I mean, I, I think that's going to, I think that's. All right. So how does it happen? Okay. We both agree it's going to be Bisping. Mm-hmm. Tell me how it happens. When does it happen? Hmm. I'm going to say fourth round knockout. Okay. All right. Hmm. Uh, just to make it interesting, I'll say. Third round, doctor's stoppage. Mm. GSP can't see out of one eye. Fitting. Oh. And, and uh, gets gets a little bruised up. Okay. So let's move to the main event. Because, I mean, the, sec- the co-main event, rather, the the, the main event in Cody Garbrandt's eyes. The second eyes. co-main event. Yeah. Yeah, there's three title fights on this. And the next is a grudge match. The two coaches from the previous season of The Ultimate Fighter, they were supposed to fight over the summertime, Garbrandt. Pulled out with the back injury. So Cody Garbrandt, no love against TJ Killishaw Dillashaw in the battle of the grudge match. Former member of Team Alpha Male, the snake, TJ Dillashaw, <laughs> and the current bantamweight champion. snake on the grass. <laughs> the, and, and that's, again, the shadow of Conor McGregor. That was a, a, a phrase coined by him on the McGregor versus favor season. So uh, TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, love the buildup. Love that there is actual real blood through it. Uh, real yeah, I mean they keep hot blood. They keep, they keep replaying they keep saying the same they keep, shit. They keep replaying that same that same little clip of Garbrandt grabbing Dillashaw by the throat in yeah. the in the hall back hallway at the uh, at the fighter right before the fights. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, you can see that's there's no nothing fucking back there. He grabbed yeah. him by the throat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And if you get some, if you get mad enough in real life to grab someone by the throat, there's. You have some bad intentions for that human being, and I and yeah. I, I mean that's this is probably I don't know. There's so many good fights on this card, but this is I think this is probably the most exciting fight to me. I think so. I think this could potentially steal the show. I think it's it's fairly evenly matched. It's really close. Yeah. It's really close. But I, I mean, I gotta. I think Garbrandt is just looks like a fucking world beater right now, and I think he is. Uh, I think that. I think he's going to be the champion for a minute. I think he just has so much confidence. He doesn't have there's not a chink in his armor. Um he just looks like a <laughs> he looks unstoppable right now. So I got to go with I got to go with pick Garbrandt on this one. All right. Okay, Cody Garbrandt. Well, I uh he, it's tough. The, the, what he did to Dominic Cruz was so impressive. Yeah. When he fought him and, and D- when you, Dillashaw, when you looked at it against Dillashaw's fight with, with Cruz. Yeah. We were, we diff- were there for that. Yeah. It was a five round. It was, it was a split decision. Yeah. I think, I think Cruz won it and I mean, the, the judges agreed, but it was, uh, it was a close one. And 
I don't know. It's it, it's tough to say. I'm gonna I'll, because you took took Garbrandt. I mean, you know, I was a little bit. I could go either one. This is one that I definitely did not want to place a bet on. Mm. But I, uh, I'm I'm curious to see. I think Dillashaw has he's he's a little bit more experienced than Garbrandt. He's yeah. he's been in this situation more times than Garbrandt has. The first time Garbrandt went five rounds, at least in the UFC level, or was this this most recent bout against Cruz? So Garbrandt, I mean, you know, he's uh, have they have they talked in any of the in, in any of the uh, like buildups or anything about how about them sparring when they used to spar together? They is talked there, about it any... a little bit today. I watched the uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, um, they talked in the they did a press conference and he's like, well, about that time I knocked you out, bro. This is Garbrandt, my impression of uh, Garbrandt. And, and Taylor's like, well, that time you, you cried after, I made you cry, you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> this is all, this is all rumor and conjecture. Yeah, right, you can just say whatever you want. And That's these, and these are both guys that are super emotional in their, in this build up, so, yeah. I'm tempted to say, do you think, alright, before, um, before I, I mean, I already said that I'm gonna go with, uh, Dillashaw, maybe not just to be a contrarian, but just to make things interesting, do you think it will go the distance? Boy, I don't know. I don't think so. The way that they're I don't think so. So I, heated. They I both want to finish. I think they it. both want to finish. I, I don't think it's going to go the distance. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with I want to go with Garbrandt in a third round knockout. Okay, all right. Well, I think it goes the distance. I think Dillashaw wins with a split decision. Maybe, yeah, I maybe think, the takedown. I think that's how Dillashaw would win the fight. Garbrandt's if he wins the got fight, the edge. it has to be by decision. I don't, I don't think Dillashaw's gonna knock Garbrandt out. No, Garbrandt's got the edge with boxing. He's yeah. got great movement. Uh, Dillashaw is a, he's a good wrestler and, and he's crafty. So I, I think that maybe he, he'd, uh, they'll, they'll have a, a couple real even striking rounds. Maybe Dillashaw tries to do a little bit more of the Muay Thai that he's learned well, from here, Ludwig. Here, here's the thing. Dillashaw really molded his whole style after Cruz left, after Cruz. Yeah. I mean, he is really like that. You ever, do you ever see the Kibbles and Bits commercial? Do you remember the Kibbles and Bits commercial? This is okay. how it, it's always reminded me. This is how Dominic Cruz has always reminded me of it. It's a bull, there, it's a, it's a bulldog and he's walking down the street and then there's a chihuahua and he's jumping over his back and he's going and bits and bits okay. and bits and bits. He keeps jumping back over. That's how I, that's how I think of Cruz. Cruz hops in, pop, 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 hops back out, hops in, pop, 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 hops back out, hops in, pop, pop, hops out, bits, hops bits, in, bits. hops in. Yeah, right. So it's just the Kibbles and it's the, it's the Kibbles and bits commercial. That's how, uh, uh, and as soon as I as soon as I picked up on it, I was like, "Oh, that's he's doing cruise." Yeah, Dillashaw's doing cruise. He's doing the exact same thing. That that yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he does it, but he does it a little bit different because he still has. Oh, those it's definitely style, different. But he takes the, the the disciplined approach of the the Muay Thai clinch and tries to do that and. Couple with the wrestling backgrounds. I don't know. I think it, I can, it's definitely the most interesting fight for me of the top three in the main event. So I'm going split decision. You're going Garbrandt third round. You said Garbrandt third round. round. And then there's history in the making potentially. Yoana Yanjinchik goes to tie Ronda Rousey's record for title defenses in uh, for for a woman. I believe that's what she's going for. I think that's the eighth time in a row she's defending her strawweight bout against Rose Thug Namayunas. Hmm. 
Oof. I mean, I I like Rose Namajunas. I think I think she's <laughs> she's got some stuff, but <laughs> but I I think that. Joanna just brings it to different levels. Every time you yeah. see her, she does something new. Like she, she set the record for leg kicks and the fight against Valerie Letourneau and just like the heart and determination in the last two fights against Claudia Gadelia and, and the most recent go arounds when they, uh, they fought in Texas against, um, drawing a name, I'm drawing a blank on the name, the, the woman that, uh, just beat Claudia Del, Jessica Andrade. Andrade. And, uh, yeah, it's like what, what can't she do? Like these are these are the two scariest contenders, and uh, Nami Yunus is good. She's, she's I like she's Nami Yunus. I think she's great. I, I just think Jan Jacek is so far ahead of everyone else. I think she's like the Bones Jones of her division. Yeah, you know, there's just John Jones, and then there's everyone else fighting for second place. Yeah. And I think that's how it is with her. I think she's gonna hang on to that title for as long as she wants to. She's just bad motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we both got JJBMF. How's it happen? Yeah. You want me to start it? He says, I'm going to All right, well, I think that it's – she she has finishing power, but it's more in, like, the accumulation of strikes. She hasn't finished anybody since Jessica Penne, who is eh, – nothing to say. Not the, I don't really have that much positive to say about her as a fighter. She got to be the number one contender status. In straw weight, I feel like that was a long time ago. The division was a little bit thinner back then, and Joanna just went through her like a knife yeah. through butter. Back in Germany, it was one of those fight pass things in, in Germany, and uh, uh, I, th- I think Rose can hang. She can go five rounds. She, yeah, she's super tough. Yeah, she's super tough. I, I, the only the only way I think Rose wins this is on the ground. That's yeah, the only she, way I can think. She has some really crafty submissions. She's pulled off some really crafty little things, and she seems like she's super strong. So, I, I'm sure she's probably a lot stronger than than Joanna is. Mm. I mean, on just, the ground, or even just, as I a think, person. I think just or? strength. I think okay. just think physical strength. Okay. So, I think if she grabs onto an arm down there somewhere, she's going to take that thing home with her. So, that's the only way that I see. But Ioana's been very good about not letting people keep her down. You know, she gets on the ground. It's not for long. So. Yeah. So you're saying I'm I, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to say I'm, she's going to win by decision. That's I think what it's going to go too. for. <laughs> All right. Unanimous? Yeah. Split? Okay. No, I think it's going to be totally unanimous. I think it's she's going to win all five rounds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So. Well, we should probably wrap All right, well, this so, that, up. so that's the three. Uh, thanks for listening to this little bit of a mini episode. Sorry we haven't been here in a while. Uh, we'll try to come back and chat a little bit more about it. Maybe we'll have a discussion. You won't be there for it, but maybe we're going to have uh, poss- possible past contributor Paul Landwehr on, and we can hey. review the, uh, the notorious thing because Paul said he's going to come down. And Conor McGregor's having a documentary one night only on November 8th in Revere. I mean, it's Theaters nationwide, but there's it's not a wide release, and it's just like a one night special event. So, the documentary that's uh, four years in the making about Conor McGregor's uh, recent ascent into the UFC in boxing. So we'll see that. But thanks okay. for listening to MMA Maniacs. MMA Maniacs over and out. Peace. That's the end.
Maniacs. The MMAniacs podcast brought to you by Team Link of Hookset, New Hampshire. They're located at 1338 Hookset Road in Hookset, and their phone number is 603-641-3444. Their website is www.teamlinkhooksetnh.com. Uh, I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 20 years, and for the last four years I've been training at Team Link, and it's one of the best schools I've ever trained at. Um, there's a lot of great instructors over there. There's no knuckleheads whatsoever. A lot of people there that are trying to help you get better at whatever it is that you want to study. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, karate, whatever it is that you want to study for martial arts, they've got somebody there to teach you the right way to do it. Uh, so if you go there, you tell them that the MMAniacs podcast sent you. They'll give you a free T-shirt and 30 free days to try out the school. Uh, again, their phone number is 603-641-3444, and their website is teamlinkhooksetnh.com.